It's hard to hear the truth with so many people talking. Join your host as he engages in unfettered conversation with folks sharing their perspective on how businesses, political policies, technology, and world events impact their families and communities. If you want to turn your thoughts into actions, listen to the Brother of Light, dropping wisdom in your left ear and knowledge in your right. Mr. Glover, how are you? Doing well, doing well. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Thank you for uh, joining us on uh, this episode of Folks Unfettered. I wanted to, um, I know you and I have been trying to get together for quite some time. Um, and I wanted to spend a little time introducing you to our audience uh, to get us to tell you a little bit about yourself and your journey. And so um, we're glad to have you here at the channel. Um, as always, it's uh, my pleasure to have you here. My name is Gene Folks, and I'm that brother of light. I'm the wisdom in your left ear and the knowledge in your right. Today, we're excited to have um, as our guest, um, his IMDB says that he is a born again, he was an actor. He starred in um, several productions, Born Again Virgin, 24 Hour Love, Devious Maids, which I didn't know you were on Devious Maids. Um, You've got um, 76 credits to your name, Manhunt, <laughs> Man, Manhunt, the first Marine, which you look like a Marine, um, <laughs> Cage, Kingfish, I Am the Dream, the Dawn of the Zombie Apocalypse. So really some interesting things uh, that you have done uh, in your career. So tell us about, um, tell us about yourself, sir. What, um, what was your inspiration uh, your education, your background, your influences. Yeah. Uh, what, makes, what makes you you? Absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank you so much for having me on. Like you said, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, but, you know, due to unforeseen circumstances, it never could happen. But, hey, we might, we're finally here, right? We made it. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> right. So, yeah. Right, we survived. We both relocated. You actually relocated from L.A. to Dallas. And um, I uh, relocated from Dallas to New York. I had a family emergency. So, so um, man, you're an inter interesting character. We met a few years back. And, and yeah. um, I know we've, what, since uh, 20, 2015, 2016? Something like that, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while, it doesn't seem like mm -hmm. it. So, so tell us about your, your journey. Tell us about your, your upbringing, your background, um, Tell us, tell the audience who you are. So most definitely. So um, originally I'm born and raised in Monroe, Louisiana, a very small town in Louisiana. So I am from the country. I'm a country boy. <laughs> um, raised with my, my mom and my, my stepdad. Um, my dad was in the army. He was a military man. So I, I rarely saw my dad, but when I did see him, it was, it was a great experience. Um, you know, when he would come in from leave, you know, he would come and pick me up and I would spend maybe a week with him or something like that. And he was out again. I may not see him for another two, three years or something like that. So, mm. um, you know, my dad was kind of in and out. But, you know, I understood his situation that he was in the Army, so I couldn't really see him that much. Um, so, you know, my mom and my stepdad was was very influential people in my life. Um, you know, my, my stepdad was very um, 
it was very aggressive, very abusive toward my mom. But mm. um, so I had to kind of grow up in that kind of environment, which was very hard for me as a kid because I didn't really understand that that mm-hmm. whole concept of, of 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 a man abusing a woman and seeing that on a daily basis kind of took a toll on me emotionally. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up very angry and very mm-hmm. reserved at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mm-hmm. I was kind of kid that was very to myself, but I, there was some some deep deep issues going on inside me because of what mm-hmm. was going on in, in my home life. So it's dealing with yeah, but. Right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So dealing with that whole situation, um, mm-hmm. it, it made me very, like I said, introverted. Um, I had some some anger issues, anger management mm-hmm. built on the inside mm-hmm. for, for a long, for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, eventually I got out of the house, graduated high school, went on to college. Uh, I graduated from the University of University of Maine, right? Yeah. yeah. In Maine, yeah. I received okay. yeah, I received a bachelor's degree in business management. So um, from there, I went on overseas to play professional basketball. Um, mm-hmm. I got picked up, um, you know, in the NBA for a short stint. What I, position did you play? I played guard. Ah, played you're a guard. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was 6'5", you know, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, so at that time, you know, that was a normal size for NBA sure. players. Sure. Right. <laughs> you right. know, now, nowadays, you know, you got to be at least like six nine, six ten to even get right. looked, even get looked at nowadays. So right. God, back in the day, I was I thought I was tall for right. six one, right? Right. But now, now these giants start coming. I'm a little guy now. I'm like, well, that's crazy to me. Like, mm-hmm. we're feeding our kids, but right. So you played for the play guard for the Bucks, right? How long did you play for? You know what? I only played for like a half a season because I had a career yeah. ending knee injury. Oh, wow. So I experienced wow. that whole devastation. That was the most devastating thing I've ever dealt with, you know, um, sure. because growing up was was basketball was my 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 love, my dream. My dream was right. to make it to the NBA since mm-hmm. I was seven years old. And to make it to that level, to accomplish my dream was the most rewarding experience and the most rewarding feeling that anybody could ever feel, especially when mm-hmm. you put all your blood, sweat and tears into doing something and accomplishing what you wanted to accomplish and then to have mm-hmm. it stripped away from you just you know it, it was mm-hmm. for me and that sent me into deep depression and i even attempted mm-hmm. suicide on my life so oh, wow. um you know but by the grace of god god saved me god spared my right. life from that suicidal right. attempt and right. i'm still here i'm still breathing so it's right. at that moment god had another plan for me God had mm-hmm. a plan for me. He had a mission for me. Amen. So, you that, know, I, I, yeah, if I could interject, yeah. I, I wanted to relate to something that you said. Um, anyway, finish. And you know what? No, well, I'll relate to that later. Finish with, with, with your background and your bio. And there's a lot that, that I relate to you on and with, especially as not as a man, mm-hmm. but also as a black man. And, and, and as it relates to mental health, but, but go ahead. You, you, so you did half a season with the Milwaukee Bucks, yeah. which had to be, phenomenal experience and then you had a career in a knee injury and then you transitioned into something else um what was that yeah um it, it was it was kind of shocking that that i got interested in the entertainment business um i actually started modeling because after my probably year of of, of dealing with depression um my my sports agent at the time got contacted by a modeling agent 
And, you know, he, he was like, you know, would your client be interested in, in modeling for me? So um, I was like, hey, why not? You know, I'm, I'm not really doing anything right now. So I gave it a try. And the next thing you know, I fell in love with it. I started getting booked, you know, for, for major, major modeling gigs that were, mm. that were doing very well and, and paying me very well. And eventually I, I transitioned from modeling into acting. So um, I, I caught the acting bug. <laughs> right, right. That's right. what I like to say. I caught the bug. You know, I, I caught, the bug, right. caught the bug. So I started taking acting classes. And the more and more I did it, the more and more I started to fall in love with it. You know, fall in love mm -hmm. with the craft and the business, um, the whole process. And it, mm -hmm. it, it became a part of who I was. You know, I slowly mm -hmm. began to kind of move away from the whole basketball world and the whole sports world into now mm -hmm. You know, being an actor, being a model, being a full-time entertainer. So, mm -hmm. um, before you know it, I was getting booked into major, major um, um, projects, major production. Mm -hmm. My first major gig I landed was uh, Young and the Restless. Um, you know, wow, I, yeah, well, I got yeah. stories about that. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? Guess. You know what's funny is I could not stand soap operas coming up. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I kind of like you. I. Uh... I was an actor and model uh, back in the back in the nineties, right? And so I was, um, I mean, I'm a SAG carrying member forever, and I really like the art and the craft. Of course, I'm I'm a little bit older than you, but but um, and I was signed with the with the major talent agency, and I had a great acting coach, and and it's interesting because they kept taking me out for soaps, right? And so <laughs> at the time I was a man of faith, and I didn't like taking my shirt off, you know, and I was just you know I was yeah. and I was a combat vet, and I was you know I was pretty great shape. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. This is how I do this with my values. So it's interesting because it's a business really. Right. So I, I totally relate to your story because <laughs> I was out there for a couple of years. In fact, when I, when I left to finish my undergrad, I ended up, um, I ended up leaving when I was under contract. But um, so I understand I had the same thing. I could tell you stories. I'd have to be offline about some of the people that, that I've, uh, that I was up for roles against. It's pretty interesting. So I can imagine that it, it, you know, this must have changed somewhat. I know that the challenge back in the day, um, back when I was, um, I had a legit agent in, in what they call a commercial agent. Mm -hmm. um, there was no such thing as diversity and inclusion. Right. And so, you know, you had Chris Christopherson. That was, I, I was back when, um, Oh, uh, Shamar Moore, he and yeah. I went out for several roles. Uh, in fact, he and I could be, ironically, mentioned Young and the Restless because he was, uh, he got the role that I had auditioned for, uh, for the Young and the Restless. And they told me I didn't look thug enough. And so he ended up getting the role. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, you know, he's prettier than I am. How's he, how's he more thuggish than I am? It's crazy. But, uh, but I don't tell that story very often. But there was no such thing as, there was a limited amount of roles for, people of color, specifically yeah. for men in color, unless you wanted to be a thug or a criminal or, you know, or, or sort of a, you know, a bit player, which is, which is nothing wrong with that. But right. how is, you know, and Hollywood stated it's improving its diversity and inclusion initiatives. And I want to touch on this just for a minute. How, now that it's been some decades later, have you experienced a more accepting process as a black man in Hollywood? Have you, or is it still that, that challenge? I know that's a huge topic that we're still talking about. You know what? I think it's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot uh -huh. better. I think it will always be challenging. Um, right. I think it will always be limited as far as, you know, when it comes to African-American males trying to break into Hollywood, mainstream mm -hmm. 
especially mainstream, mm-hmm. um, always going to be a challenge, man, I feel. But I, I believe it's gotten a lot, lot better. It's a lot more open. It's a lot more opportunities out there for us because of mm-hmm. people like Tyler Perry and, and, and um, you know, other black directors and, and producers and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, Spike Lee, Shonda Rhimes. Exactly. Ava DeVornay. I mean, there's some really, right. I, yeah, I'm like, man, I wish yeah. these people were, well, Spike Lee was around then, back then, but it was the, 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 the hurdle, the, it was where they were so monumental that it was so, you know, there were some people that hung in there and did that. And so there was right. some, some, some casualties along the way, but, but then there are also some venerable actors that never got the, they never got their sort of uh, just do right. right with with the work that they did. You know, I think Robert Townsend was one of those guys. Yeah. And so, you know, um, but you also, I think it's important that we own our own content and we tell yeah. our own stories and yeah. then we do it from, you know, it's different to have, you know, um, when you're telling black stories, you have a black eye. So you're not just an actor. You're also right. a producer and a director. Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, the, the, what's, you know, what's interesting is when I first got started in, in this entertainment business as an actor, I never really envisioned myself being behind the scenes, behind the camera. Mm-hmm. But the more and more I did it, the more and more I started acting, the more and more I was paying attention to what was going on behind the camera. And mm-hmm. I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn mm-hmm. how to direct. I wanted to learn how to produce because mm-hmm. I started being interested more in producing my own content, you know, creating mm-hmm. my own content, being in control of my own content and creating mm-hmm. my own stories from my own background and my own ideas. Right. So um, and and that was influenced by, like we said, people like Tyler Perry and Spike Lee and things like that. So I'm like, you know what, if they can create their own content and produce and direct, so can I. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I started coming up with different ideas and, 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 and different scenarios and um, different kind of, because I'm an action freak, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a martial mm-hmm. arts freak. So I love martial mm-hmm. arts films, mm-hmm. anything martial arts, anything with fighting in it. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Um, right. So that was my whole thing was creating my own projects that involved a lot of martial arts, a lot of fighting scenes mm-hmm. and action sequences and things like that. So, I started getting more and more behind the scenes and, and producing and directing. And mm-hmm. I think I look forward to doing that now more than I do acting because I get to just release that creativity that's built mm-hmm. in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. get it out. So mm-hmm. I'm more passionate about that now. And, and because I've done that or because I'm continuing to put out content of my own, uh, more doors and opportunities have been opening up for me. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. And um, I know uh, I understand that, right? And so it's very interesting. So when you say, because I'm a big martial arts fan too. So um, I, uh, <laughs> it's the first time I'll say this on a podcast, but I actually have two black belts. I have one in Taekwondo, second, second, second Don, and then also uh, Combat Hapkido, right? Oh, um, nice. I've got two of them. I competed, yeah, I competed up until I was um, in my, uh, mid forties, they got stopped competing at forty six. I think guys my age group were worried about going to work the next day, and I was worried <laughs> about being more efficient. Right, and I've been sort of doing that my whole life. I made nationals almost every year that I went. So, what about you? What about your martial? You said you love the martial arts. Is that something that you studied? I find that it's less about the fighting physically and more about the spiritual fighting, That's right? Sort of spiritual warfare that keeps you. And because we have you and I have very similar 
uh, childhood backgrounds, which I do want to get into and discuss. But um, what about you? Did you did you gravitate to a certain martial art? Has that helped you in your your life? Has it helped you with anger management? Um, yeah, um, you know, like I said, I grew up with my stepdad, and my stepdad was a um, you know he was a master martial artist. So he taught me growing up. Um, he taught a karate, taekwondo, and eventually later on in my life, I started, you know, getting into boxing. I started taking up boxing. Mm -hmm. I started taking up Wing Chun, and um, you know, kickboxing. So I was always, you know, since my stepdad got me started, it, it's been like an ongoing thing that I've always been passionate mm -hmm. about and continuing to learn and get better and evolve my martial arts abilities. So I'm always looking to learn new styles. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's been fascinating for me to just see how many different styles that always seem to come up, um, mm -hmm. you know, year by year. So uh, I think Wing Chun was the last style that I, I studied, which was some some years back, you know, when the whole uh, Ip Man came about. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. I saw the whole series. Did you see the last one? Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. It was really good. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I love that story. So, go ahead. Yeah, continue, man. That's, <laughs> I like comedy. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. So, that, that's been a passion of mine. And I even started mm -hmm. teaching. I was teaching a while back. I was teaching uh, boxing, mm -hmm. kickboxing. So I have two black belts myself. Um, I have um, my third degree black belt in karate and a uh, fourth degree black belt in taekwondo. Um, mm -hmm. Those were the styles that that I grew up on. So um, basketball. Oh, you went fourth. You went fourth down on TKD. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Ty, yeah. Listen, taekwondo is a young man's art. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I, exactly. I'm like, man, I yeah, I just yeah, I, I yeah, I, <laughs> it's it's yeah, I don't compete anymore, not at my age. So I'm, you know, it's uh, I, I try to focus on the spiritual piece of it. That's awesome, though. That's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Good yeah. for you, man. So glad I mean, you have you. Yeah. Well, just having that background in martial arts has really helped me as far as um, mm -hmm. um, um, translating it into into the movie world. Uh, you know, when I'm doing my action sequences and things like that, um, I'm able to come up with different fight scenes myself. And and when I hire a martial arts coordinator or a martial arts choreographer, um, you know, I'm able to catch on to the choreography pretty quickly because mm -hmm. of my background in martial arts. So mm -hmm. that's that's why I'm so passionate and I love doing action movies that, that involves martial arts because, mm -hmm. you know, just... That's all I watch is martial arts movies and, and mm -hmm. things like that. So I'm always studying different techniques and I'm always studying different scenes with martial arts. You know, mm -hmm. of course, my favorite actors, martial arts actors are uh, Jet Li, Dunning Yin, um, you know, Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Michael J. White. You know, I, yeah, I, I, you I love know. Michael J. White. Yeah. 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 That, that brother is, he's the truth, right? Yeah, yeah man. Wesley Snipes is a bad dude, too. Yeah, he is. Say what you want. Wesley Snipes is a bad dude, too. They don't get a lot of prop for their action sequences, but I remember, uh, you remember that cat back in uh, Enter the Dragon? Um, that was my hero. I love Bruce Lee, but... Jim Kelly? Uh, Jim Kelly, yeah, yeah man. Big Afro. That <laughs> was the dude, man. I was like, that's the dude. Yeah. That dude, he was smooth. He was lean. He was fast. He was yep. quick. Yeah, I love those kind of cats, man. Um, you know, I love just the, you know, the discipline that, come, you know, that comes with that. So... And it does, but um, in in that vein, um, what what is what is a what is a common myth about athletes transitioning into entertainment? Um, since we're speaking of the physicality of it all, mm -hmm. what have you found that it the transition from being a professional NBA player 
moving into entertainment? Um, is that a common transition for athletes, you know, or, or is there, is there some type of, have you found there to be any uh, misconceptions about athletes that turn into actors or models or directors, producers like yourself? Um, you know, at first it was difficult for me um, when I first transitioned into the entertainment business to be an actor because back then there wasn't many tall actors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They like you. Right. They're, yeah. Six one is hitting the, like the ceiling. Right. 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 So me yeah. coming in at six five, it was very hard for me to get work for a while because I, mm. I towered over everybody. All the right. actors, I was so much taller than. Um, because back then it was like the tallest actor or actress is, you know, as far as a male go, you're looking at what, maybe five, nine. Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, the woman, of course, is, I mean, still to this day, the women actresses are like five, two, five, three, right. pushing makes, five, five, maybe. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Because it makes framing hard. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it, you can't, you can't really get into a scene with, with an actor or actress because, you, like you said, the framing just throws it, throws it off and it doesn't mm -hmm. look right. So mm -hmm. um, it, 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 it was very hard for me at first. But mm -hmm. eventually, um, as, as the entertainment industry started evolving, um, it became more open. Um, mm -hmm. There are more opportunities. Um, I guess you, you, you have to come in with an open mind. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when you when you coming from an athletic background, um, coming from, you know, whether it's NBA, NFL, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. you have to come in willing to work. You have to come in willing to take this entertainment business serious, um, mm -hmm. you know, working on your craft, working on your craft, constantly working on your craft. A, a mm -hmm. lot of people have the misconception that acting is easy. It's, it's acting is all about it's it. hard right now. It's hard. Yeah. They think it's just all about remembering mm -hmm. the lines, you know, mm -hmm. it's more to it than that. It's, 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 you have to, right, right. Go ahead. Yeah. You have to create a character and a lifestyle with character. That's character story. And sometimes that you may be able to relate and not relate. And that's what I remember said, you know, I would take my characters from childhood to right. what their teenagers are like, and you know, they're, you know, and so it's very interesting, right. That you're right. Acting is, and I, that's the part of it that I loved it. Yeah. And I, I trained at the time under uh, M.K. Lewis, and um, okay. I was sort of sort of freaked out because he said I was I was somewhat gifted, but um, I didn't really fully understand the impact of that. Because you're right, it's it's a very it's a business. Right. It's one to be you can't just dabble in. It's not because you look good or right. you know or you know you got a great body. It, it really is um, it really is a craft exactly in an art and storytelling that has potentially real world implication right, right? it's you know and, and so um it really is about that narrative so i, I really relate to you on, on that time and that on that, I, on that concept actually that it is hard it's very hard work very hard very yeah. hard it's not a, it's not an easy business to break into you know yeah. i tell everybody in, in the entertainment business the the world of acting um, mm -hmm. probably the hardest business that anyone can break into. And it's mm -hmm. not going to happen overnight. It can take mm -hmm. years and years before you get a major mm -hmm. gig, a major role. You mm -hmm. know, it's not going to mm -hmm. be, it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to, only because you got a big name doesn't mean you're going to come in and automatically get a major role. Right. Right. And even if, right. And, and even if you do have, you know, that major role is just the beginning. Right. 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 Like, 
you know, you need to be a one hit wonder. You can really dig in and work on your craft. So I have a lot of respect for people um, in that industry and, and, um, and the work that they do from, from all levels. Cause it takes, it's always, always hands on deck from the, from the, you know, from the personal assistant to the grip, to the yeah. cameraman, to the videographer, to the audio, you know, all that becomes very important. And there's a, you know, to make a, to make a really compelling piece of visual art um, says a lot. And so it's, and it's important because I feel like growing up, you know, as you and I talk about our heroes, there were not many that looked like us, right? right. Um, you know, I was this little scrawny kid coming from this little bitty island called Jamaica that nobody really knew or thought much of back in the day, coming to America as an immigrant and then really figuring out what my where my place was. And so I didn't see a lot of representation in this country of men like me. And then... Um, had a very similar childhood than yours, and then let's 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 talk in, let's talk about that because mm-hmm. I do want to share with you and my audience that um, you know, like you, I I you know, my mom passed in December, and uh, you know, it's interesting because um, sometimes you can have you know conflicted feelings about uh, a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my like you, my father um, was non-existent. Um, he was in my life. And so I grew up with a very uh, feminine perspective on what manhood is. And a lot of times I love my mother to, uh, immensely. Um, but I don't, you know, it really takes uh, a yin and yang to make a complete person. And so when I saw, I had an entire, I don't share this with people much, but I had an entire childhood of nothing but abuse. I and mean, my kids even know that. And yeah. so um, it's interesting because when I wanted to go into the Air Force, I I, I looked at it as a break, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you would think going to basic training was was um, would be difficult, but I had we had so much trauma. I mean, and I'm looking at the 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 after effects of sort of, and I've done therapy and I've had those convert you know those conversations and my therapist has said I'm very resilient but we as men and especially as black men when it comes to mental health I don't think that we really talk about the impact that not only absentee fathers which is not really common in our not as common in our community as the media would like to portray there are a lot of good black fathers out there right. and there are a lot of good brothers trying to do their do their thing but I think that we as black people specifically black men um we have to walk a tighter rope we are because the burden of of proof of just our existence um one mistake one decision and you know our lives can be our lives can drastically change given the systemic and institutional racism and the criminal justice system how it's slated against us and so we're not allowed sometimes to express all the and i in in a Chime in when you want to. I'm just mm-hmm. sharing yeah. um, with you that we're not able to express healthy anger. We're not able to express hurt and fear. We're not allowed to be vulnerable. Um, we're not allowed to to make um, relationship mistakes and goals. And so I don't know about you, but I found myself making a series of really horrible relationship decisions. You know, we always mm-hmm. look at we always look at domestic violence as men against women. Right. And there are some cases to where that is the case. I grew up when 
I would tell you that I've seen a lot of women who either have committed a lot of verbal and emotional abuse towards men Mm -hmm. and their children. Um, Because if we're looking at equality, then I think that women, if we want to go full equality, um, women be active to men as men can be as, as women. And so it's interesting how the laws have not caught up with that. And now it becomes a tool used against. And so we tend to hide in the shadows. I grew up with a lifetime of violence, Mm -hmm. right? To where here I was a man and I didn't like men, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I didn't have those, those mentors. I saw a lot, just a lot of violence. But then I also saw, I didn't trust women either, right? Because I saw women be manipulative and just as violent mm. and just, and so it, it really does. And, 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 and share your, I'm sharing my experiences. I want to really yeah. talk to you yeah. because we don't get a chance as black men to really talk about the hurt that happens because we, we were little boys, right? Right. And so, you know, right. And so not only do we have to, hear the lessons about go out, be safe, deal with the cops, do school, do well in school, try to make something of yourself. But then we have this whole dynamic in our homes to where boys are supposed to be tough, men aren't supposed to cry. Uh, You know, we have to hold everybody together. Is that similar to your experience? Is that, uh, and I know it's the first time you and I have really talked about this. Is that similar to your experience and how that makes you feel? I just want to talk to you about right now about, because mental health is brothers. We don't talk about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think because, like you just said, you know, we're, we're, we're taught to be tough. We're taught to be um, um, powerful. We're taught to be, um, you know, well, I think black men, we, we, we feel we, we already have a target on our backs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Every day, every day, as soon as we wake up and go outside, it's a target. That's on right. That's right. Um, so it's like the world is, a, sometimes we feel like the world is against us. You know, mm-hmm. because we're black and mm-hmm. that's the way it feels at times. I mean, mm-hmm. if, you do, if you do the research, I'm actually working on right now, um, doing a documentary for someone who's been incarcerated for 30 years. And, um, we were just talking the other day, well, his, his legal team, we were like, well, we, if you do the research and you'll see that black men are incarcerated at a way much higher rate than any, right. other, any other race. That's right. You know? um, so why is that? You know, because mm-hmm. we, we we look at the prison system as it's basically, you know, slavery all over again. It is. You know what I'm it saying? It is. They trying to it is. They trying to keep black men locked up and, and in cages mm-hmm. as much as they can. They trying to get as many of us as they can in mm-hmm. there. You know, to to make it look like modern day slavery. So, like I said, you know, it, it just seems like it, there is a target on our backs every day. And we have to pretty much walk on eggshells every mm-hmm. single day because one slip up, you know, one wrong mistake. And, you know, we could go down for a long time. You know, right. J- just, right. For, just for just for losing our temper and, and, and cussing somebody out on the street. You know, right. And, 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 right. and, you know, a white person feeling threatened. You know, just mm-hmm. because we're raising our voice, you know, they feel threatened and and, mm-hmm. and make a complaint, and we're going to get arrested. You know, mm-hmm. um, so it, it's it's difficult, and I think that because we are taught to be 
you know, that that strong figure, that 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 person that shows no weakness. Um, we we tend to get caught up in that. We tend to get mm -hmm. caught up and not want to be vulnerable, like you said earlier. Mm -hmm. We tend to get you know caught up in not wanting to seem weak, mm -hmm. um, and that's where depression comes in at because we're trying to hold on to that stigma of not Agreed. feeling weak, not feeling Agreed. vulnerable, not showing emotion, not um, wanting to you know um, um, show that we can be sad, we can be mm -hmm. hurt, we can mm -hmm. go through pain. Mm -hmm. And want and not mm -hmm. want to admit it, mm -hmm. you know. If we're not going to mm -hmm. admit it, if we're not going to, um, you know, bring it to the forefront and say, "Hey, I am hurting. Mm -hmm. you know? I am going mm -hmm. through pain. I am going through some difficulties. Mm -hmm. I am mm -hmm. struggling mentally. Mm -hmm. um, I've dealt with it for mm -hmm. years, where I was mm -hmm. struggling mentally. I was going through. I, I've been dealing with depression for fifteen years. Wow, and, I didn't know that. And I've attempted suicide on my life four times already. Oh wow! You know, like I said wow. earlier, by the grace of God, God saved me all four mm -hmm. times. So mm -hmm. it's obvious God had, you know, something for me to do. He has something for me mm -hmm. to accomplish. So that's why I'm still here. Um, mm -hmm. But some people have not survived suicide. Some people have. They haven't. You know, they they, they, they went through the act and it, it didn't mm -hmm. work for them. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I think that's why because we as black men we get to a point where we feel like. We can't share our emotions. We can't admit mm -hmm. that we're struggling. So that's the uh, that's the only alternative is to take myself mm -hmm. out because I don't want to mm -hmm. look weak. I don't want to mm -hmm. look vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I don't want to admit that I'm going through something. I need help. Right. You right. Know? So, you know, and I will share this with you, and this will be the first time I've said this publicly. Um, you know, I did spend 10 years in the Air Force, and I think I've I've always had a version of PTSD. And either from childhood, um, like I said, my mother was very abusive. Um, she was loving and kind at the same time, but I understand that my mother was abused as well, sexually abused, and and witnessed the death of my grandmother, um, who my step grandfather. You know, no no fourteen year old kid should come home from the church bus and see their grandmother um, shot dead in the in the in the dead, right? Right, and um, and it was ruled self-defense um, because the women in my family are tough, right? Um, and, uh, you know, nobody deserves to die like that. And, you know, you get really tired of trying to be resilient and right. not allowed to make mistakes, not being understood. And, you know, before my mom uh, passed, um, for the first time in my life, I'm a very optimistic person. I don't I never had thoughts of suicidal thoughts or I never thought that I was always had to be the strong one. And just one day I was going through a um, uh, pretty bad breakup, which, which seems to be, you know, um, interesting and, and uh, not because I cared or anything, but I was just tired, man. And so, you know, I made a poor attempt at checking myself out Um uh, thank God for my sister who she put me in a three-day cycle. And that was about two years ago, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I was done. I was tired. I'm like, you know, I can't either. I'm going to leave this country um, because I, it, it takes me a second to really wrap my head around, especially living in the South. It really is throughout the United States Yeah, to where, you know, you live in a country. It, it is like uh, an abusive relationship. 
Right. And I served right. the country for 10 years, honorably, right? Mm-hmm. And then once I'm out of uniform, they, they just don't care. They don't care. And so the suicide rate for men is high, but the suicide rate for Black men who happen to be that is even higher. Yeah. And I had my smile on my face, and I, I own a company, and I've got a master's degree, and I was working a doctorate. And, you know, I just... And I just got to a point to where I didn't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm, I'm revealing something that my kids, as they listen to the podcast, they're going to hear for the first time. Um, that really was a very private matter uh, that my sister, uh, you know, I was kind of out of it. And uh, I said, thank God, I guess in a way I'd sent my sister, who is my best friend, I sent her this text in sort of this, hazy stupor um and uh she called she called uh hospital and they sent the cops how funny is that right <laughs> um it's interesting my sister's like listen he's a combat best you guys need to be careful how you approach it and then i went to the hospital for three days um because i was um severely depressed mm-hmm. and it wasn't just uh, isolated. And I ended up seeking therapy. I ended up putting myself in therapy after that going, okay, this is not the gene folks that I know. Right. Like the, the you know, I would die for my country, but die by my own hand. That's not going to work. You know, <laughs> and then my, right. my faith got involved and, and I know that may be a shocker to you because I'm always, you know, um, tend to be very affable, but you know, it really, um, when you really realize that the deck is really stacked against you, you just yes. punching and fighting and punching and fighting, you know, and you, and we do it on so many different levels, right? Yeah. We do it externally. We do it internally. We do it with white people. We do it with black people. It's like, right. golly, I mean, we're, it's like, we're all, but like you said, we get up in the morning and we're always at war. Right. And, you know, you know, there's that line in black Panther where um, Michael B. Jordan says, I'd rather, uh, he said, he'd rather, uh, what do you, rather die on his knees uh, and be buried with his ancestors, right? Mm-hmm. Than, to be, than to be in prison. And that mm-hmm. is my attitude, right? And the the of expectation, because we want to take care of our families and we want to be, but there is this idea that in order to get a black man to do what you need, do what you need to do, we box him in, we close him off. Right. And then when he responds in a way that's natural in defense of himself, then we have a cage waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And that to me is never going to be an option. Right. And so right. I really felt like here I am, I'm, you know, at the time I'm like 55 years old. I've had a pretty um, great life, made some mistakes along the way. And it means nothing. Mm-hmm. And I mean nothing right and it was at that moment that i was like, it's time for me to go and i made my peace with my lord and the best i could and i thought well i'm going to hell because you know as i read scripture i supposed to take our own life but i will not fall into the hands of man and i will not fall into the hands of a system and i think we do get to that point to where and i finally turned a corner quickly with my therapist to help with my therapist and she was like you know, that's a very normal reaction. And that's when I realized I was making really bad relationship choices. I, I became to be a victim's excuse, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and qualify what I need out of something. 
and that people that have been engaged and involved with me, they didn't need to be engaged involved with me because quite frankly, we were on two different planes and planets and that I am an amazing person. Just like I'm gonna tell you, you are an amazing brother. You are an amazing person. You do have value. There are people that love you. There are people that care about you. That's why this podcast to me, I really wanted to have it because I knew you and I were gonna dig into mental health. And as black men, we need to encourage each other right. to say that, to let each other know that I'm not okay. And that doesn't, and it, that doesn't diminish our masculinity, right? right. I'm not okay. Um, that we need to, that's why I'm sharing my story with you because you are not alone. That even though it may, things may look great and fantastic for Gene folks, um, that I struggled with that for the first time in my life, Kenyon, I really didn't want to be here. And once you let that thought enter your mind, now it becomes, I don't know if you share this experience too, it becomes a daily maintenance. Do you find that to be the case? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, like I said, you know, before, um, I've been dealing with depression for 15 years and it's still a daily process for me. Every single day I, I, I have to, you know, find different reasons to keep going. You know what I mean? Right. I, I think you, you have to eventually get to that point where, especially, you know, going through so many different things. I mean, we're all going to go through things. We're all going to have ups and downs. We're all got to endure ch challenges and trials and tribulations, but, but we all, each of us have a fight in us, mm. we have a fight in us, built in us. So it's up to you if you're going to keep fighting. And a lot of people, mm -hmm. they just get tired of fighting. Mm -hmm. you know? And I've been there. I know how it is. Some days you mm -hmm. just, you don't have the energy to fight. You know, you don't mm -hmm. have, you don't have the energy to fight that, that, that voice in your head telling you, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. not, it's not going to work. It's over. Mm -hmm. Don't take yourself out. There's no, mm -hmm. it's no point in keep fighting. It's no point in keep living. You know what I'm saying? It's that mm -hmm. voice that I think that goes on in our heads you know, every single day, as soon as we wake up, you know, right. at least right. that's, that's the voice that I have heard for years and years. As soon as I wake up, you know, okay, this is the day. This, this is not going to be a good day or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So it's just fighting against that voice and overpowering that voice mm -hmm. and, and combating that voice of, of negativity that's in each and each and every one of our heads. Mm -hmm. So Yes, it is a daily fight. It's still a daily fight. Mm -hmm. I haven't overcome mm -hmm. depression yet. I'm still mm -hmm. dealing with it, but I'm doing better than I used to do. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, in, I'm in a lot better space than I used to be. Mm -hmm. And it's still a daily fight for me. Um, but, you know, with, with, with the conviction I have now and, and with me giving my life over to God, God has truly transformed my life and renewed mm -hmm. my mind and renewed my mm -hmm. spirit and renewed my energy. So I have a, a new fight built in me now. I have a new mm -hmm. reason to keep living now. I have a new reason to keep going now mm -hmm. because I want to be everything that God created me to be. And I believe that he has kept me here for a reason. I, I, mm -hmm. I didn't four suicide attempts just for nothing. You right. know what I mean? It's right, that's true. It's obvious that I have a mission that he wants me to complete. Mm -hmm. So that's what gives me the, the energy and, and, and the, the encouragement to keep fighting. You know, mm -hmm. I know that I'm here for a reason. And I, and I believe that every man, whether they're black, white, whatever, every right. man believes right. they are right. here for a reason. If you're still right. free, then you're here for a reason. For a reason. You're, not, you're right. not just here taking up space for no reason. Right. You that's do right. make a difference. 
You make right. a difference in this world. You make a difference right. in the people lives that you're surrounded with you know right. you have a reason to be here so don't ever doubt mm -hmm. yourself don't ever doubt your your existence right and you know what folks you can you can connect with kenyon glover at kenyonglover.net k-e-n-y-o-n-g-l-o-v-e-r.net and he's got uh, a way to contact him he talks about his new lifestyle workbook he's got his new book uh he's got his reels you can shop he's got um content that you can have but Kenyon, i want to get back to uh what you were just saying you hit on something that came to me in my personal life for the first time in my life i felt helpless and powerless which i really have felt that way my entire life mm -hmm. and that was because of the lack of a positive male role model in my life I mean, my father um who is i've had to make peace with he's still alive he's 81 mm -hmm. um you know has been really dismissive in his uh, um, disinterest in, in his disinterest nature when it comes to his, to his children, and he has not admitted his participation, sort of in um, his failure to to make um, you know to hold his family together. And I understand, though, as I became an older black man making my my own mistakes and as a foreigner is an immigrant mm -hmm. coming to this country that obviously he had those, those challenges, but that's not an excuse. And what I had to learn is what you said. I didn't realize how important myself as a man, how, how important I was as a man mm -hmm. to the people around me yeah. to, to, I was groomed to be a caretaker with a very feminine view of the world. Um, and, you know, this whole new initiative that we had where there's this attack on masculinity and we call it toxic masculinity and all these different things. I don't, that's not as, that's, that's just as unhealthy as misogynistic or sexism, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would argue that we need to have a balance that men, we as men, especially men of God, right. we are, we are important. Right. We do matter. Right. Um, we are we 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 are husbands and brothers right. and fathers and sons and friends and male companion healthy male companionship mm -hmm. um, does encompass vulnerability and you know it's not about just going out and drinking with your buddies or watching a football game but also checking on each other's mental health you know um, you know we do that thing as brothers where we dap each other and say. Mm -hmm you know, hey, man, be safe out there, because it's very possible right. in American culture, you know, in this sort of um, oppressive regime that we live in, right, mm -hmm. um, that we may not make it home right. from the time that we, you know, we, we, we you know, um, we may not make it home uh, from leaving uh, a social gathering, right. Um, right. you know, and, and with new advances in technology, how many brothers do we have in in jail right now based on DNA evidence that's been tainted, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're collecting DNA evidence. And, you know, and, and, and so, you know, it's very easy to sort of try to control that narrative, but we have to um, realize that I have to realize, as you've realized, we are important. Right. Black men, white men, Hispanic men, Latin men, Asian men, we are important. 
And we are important as leaders. And that doesn't mean dictators. That means help, you know, partners to support our 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 women and our children in our community. Right. We can't we can't do it. Just look, I'm not talking about going back to the 1950s, 1960s, because you know, we wouldn't fare well back in that day, right? Right. But there is this idea based in scripture that, you know, uh, we as men are to take care of women like our own bodies. And so mm-hmm. what does that mean, right? right. And if you have men that aren't taking care of their own bodies, then of course they're not going to take care of, of a woman. And that's because, you know, we have to be able to take care of ourselves. That includes our mental health, right. that includes our diet, that includes exercise, right. you know, those things that we talked about. And so this is where I relate to you, brothers, that we, we I am important as a man. My my children depend on me. My siblings depend on me. My, you know, um, uh, forgiving my father, he depends on me because mm-hmm. I, you know, because I have to be able to make peace with, with that peace so that I can be and lighten my load so that I can look out for the next young Kenyan Glover, the next young Gene folks yeah. and really guide them in a sense that says, well, you know, here's what makes a man strong. It's not always physical strength and right. here's what it looks like when you make a mistake and embrace vulnerability and they embrace kindness and you know embrace these different things and you know and even though the world changes this is what being a man looks like and so this is interesting when you and I have not had this discussion before yet we could come we've come to the same conclusion we as men black white Asian brown whatever we matter and we live in a society that tells us we don't. They make us seem like buffoons or exactly. inept or whatever. And we're not. We are relevant. Um, we matter. And, um, you know, we support uh, in a way that, um, uh, you know, in a way that is in some ways can be unfamiliar. But it's specifically with us as Black men, though, we have been so mischaracterized and really almost our opportunities to be a full-blown person really is almost aborted in elementary school. Right. That we are, our levels of defending ourselves or aggression are treated a lot more harshly, even within our community. Think mm-hmm. about how we teach our children. Be quiet. Don't speak loud. Don't do that. Don't say this, right? We mm-hmm. teach our children, you know, to be seen but not heard. And yet in other communities, their kids are taught you know, stand up for yourself, defend yourself. If your coffee's hot, tell them you want it hot. Do these different things. We have to stop doing that within our community. And I know why we do it, because it can mean death for us, right? right. That if you express yourself, it can mean jail time or death or prison right. or whatever. Right. So we have to fight those those uh, institutional, systemic, and criminal justice um, policies that don't allow us to be full-fledged human beings mm-hmm. that's why i've been so excited to talk to you um because i know in a, in a very uh, short briefly you and i've talked about our experience and since over these last four years i've gone through a lot myself right mm-hmm. um and and i this is why i really relate to you and i wanted to broach the conversation about mental health for for men like us that seemingly are, are successful um but could be even more successful. We just remove the barriers, right? Yeah. If you just reduce the barriers and let us either succeed or fail our, on our own. And yet those barriers are, like you said, from the time we get up to the time we go to bed at night. And that's where I really appreciate you. And you've actually inspired me to uh, express on the podcast, my own struggles with 
mental health. Some of it's from childhood and then most of it's from uh, service related, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the trauma that, that, that comes with uh, trying to defend a country just to come back and, and be treated uh, very differently. So, yeah. um, so that's where I think we, I would love to, you know, continue that discussion. And, and is that what led you to write the book, The Rebirth and Resurrection of the New Man, Faithful and Focus? Is that what motivated you to write the book? Actually, actually, you know, it wasn't supposed to be a book. <laughs> I was uh -huh. I was in a very dark place in my life um, uh -huh. back in 2000, well, just last year, uh, right before the pandemic hit. I was in a very dark place and I was going through a lot of different things. And one of the therapeutic things that I had started doing was journaling. So I just started journaling and I was I was expressing my emotions and what I was going through out on paper, you know, just to get mm -hmm. just to get it out um, because I, I didn't want to do the typical going to therapy and seeing somebody and talking to somebody and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. I didn't want to do mm -hmm. that. So I was mm -hmm. like, well, I'm just going to write everything out, what I'm feeling, what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. And I just started doing it. And and over a period of a couple of months after I started doing it. I started going back and, and rereading the stuff that I had written mm -hmm. and I had shared it with a friend of mine and, and he had read it and he was like, man, dude, this is, this is like, this could be a book right here. And I was like, seriously. And, and I, I, I took that in, in, in stride and I decided to say, you know what, maybe this could be a book. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, let me start creating this in a book format. So I started writing it in a book format and that's how it became a book. You know, mm -hmm. it was just me sitting down journaling and that journal just happened to transition into a book. And after I wrote it, you know, God just gave me the title. God mm -hmm. gave me the title of the book because I had no no clue that one, it was going to be a book and two, what, what was the title going to be and what it was going to be about. And I kid you not, man, it was just like a vision came to me and just God gave me you know the name of the book and what the book should be and what it should be about and that's how it all came about so i'm grateful man for for how it turned right. out i'm grateful for the vision that god gave me and since i released it back in november last year man it's been life-changing for a lot of people and that mm -hmm. was the whole that was the whole objective of me releasing the book was you know in hopes of it being empowering for a lot of people it being inspiring for a lot of people and, and mm -hmm. encouraging them and motivating them so so far as it, it's accomplished its mission so I'm, I'm i'm proud of it i i i i won an award for it actually um a few months oh, ago. oh wow oh yeah. wow really what, what award was that um it's a company called elite publication and okay. every year they seek out authors you know to award mm -hmm. so i was on the list and well actually somebody recommended me to the to the award ceremony and I think I was up against, um, you know, like three or four other authors and I came out, you know, a winner. So I'm, I'm, I'm That's happy amazing. Say, yeah. I'm happy to say I'm an award winning actor. I mean, award winning author now. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Congratulations on that, man. That just happened. Yeah. I see that on your website. That's yeah. crazy. Thank that's you. That's awesome. So, so what is the focus of the book? Give us, give us a, a synopsis of, the focus of the book and the impact that you thought it was going to have versus the impact that it actually have in the community. Well, the book just takes you through the journey of the ups and downs that I had and me going through the trials and tribulations and how I look back on a lot of different things that I went through and a lot of different moments that I had in my life. 
And I realized that God was with me through all of that. You know how you go through life and you really don't realize how you got through certain things or how certain things turned out better than you expected and yes. how you was able to overcome certain situations and not realizing that God has had his hand on you this whole the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, it finally hit me that God has mm-hmm. been with me and guiding me and, and covered me for all mm-hmm. these years without me really even realizing it. And, and we think we get through these things through our own strength or through our own might and, and through our own, you know, uh, perseverance, but it's not us, man. And I had to realize that I finally realized that. And, you know, especially with the, with the suicidal attempts and and, and God sparing me on those. So I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm awake now. I I get it. You know, Mm -hmm. I get it, man. And, and ever since then, um, uh, it's been an incredible journey. So that's what pretty much what the book talks about. It talks about the, the different ups and downs that I had to endure and the trials and the mm-hmm. tribulations and, and and the difficulties and challenges that I had to go through and mm-hmm. and how God was with me through whole the whole time and covering me the whole time. And he gave me the 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 strength to be able to endure the storms when I felt I couldn't make it. Mm-hmm you know, with, with the different suicidal attempts and mm-hmm. the different um, things that I was faced with that I just knew I just was not going to overcome. I just knew I was not going to get out of that situation or, or, you know, I've been incarcerated myself for, for mm-hmm. situations that one that was not really that serious to, 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 to go to jail for. And two, mm-hmm. you know, certain situations that I didn't even do, but, um, you know, I, I got framed for. So, mm-hmm. you know, just to be able to get out of those situations was was a miracle. You know, like I right. said, yeah, I go back to saying, you know, God's hand on my life. God, you know? Amen. That's so right. so um, that's that's pretty much the message of the book. You know, it, it's meant mm-hmm. to, meant to empower people, inspire people, encourage people, motivate people to to let them know that. We're all going to go through things. We're all going to have mm-hmm. struggles, but it's surviving the struggles that gives us strength. You know, don't don't pray mm-hmm. for strength if you're not ready to go through things that's supposed to strengthen you. You know, that's what right. I mean? That's right. You know, people don't understand when they pray. You know, for strength and and then all of these other things. Well, you go mm-hmm. through things that's meant to strengthen you. That's how you're going to gain strength. Mm-hmm. You know? That's mm-hmm. God's way of blessing you with strength. You know, how, mm-hmm. how are we supposed to get stronger if we're not going to go through things that's going to mm-hmm. make us stronger? So it's a lot of lessons that I've had to learn throughout my, mm-hmm. my life. And I didn't, you don't realize what God is teaching you until after you have gone through You know what I'm saying? So right. It's, it's, right. Just, it's just trusting the process. I had to, I've had to learn to trust the process and trust God mm-hmm. wholeheartedly, not to doubt him. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, I, right. used, I used to doubt God and, and have my questions and, and, and fears and all these other things. But mm-hmm. now I'm like, man, my mentality has been transformed. My mind has been transformed, man. So it, it's been an incredible journey. So that that's pretty much mm-hmm. the, the message. And I'm, I'm still, yeah, I'm still working on mine. I think I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, and I and I think it's I think it's I really um, am encouraged by um, how you how you grappled with um, yourself really yeah. and your relationship with the Lord, right? Um, and and how as as you know there is a difference. Listen, I think as all men, especially men of faith, right, 
we should, we have a very similar journey, but specifically in this country, black men have a very unique journey. And I yeah. think sometimes I don't necessarily like the term people of color, right? I mean, I do, but in the sense that it sort of encompasses everyone, which I'm kind of like, well, we kind of do that anyway, but it sort of dilutes the unique structure of black people and specifically black men uh, in this country. And so I don't want to shy away from that. Listen, I've got friends that globally that are just come from everywhere. And I, I would tell you that I, they love me and I love them and, and we can have these conversations, mm -hmm. but amongst ourselves, sometimes we don't want to have the conversation. Right. And so it is, you and I have a very unique history. I was just sitting there thinking about what you're saying about being framed for stuff. And I'm like, you know how easy it is right. to say, to either exaggerate or frame a black man for something. And that accusation alone can change your life for yes. the worse. Yeah. If anybody knows anything, regardless of race, right, they know framing on a black man, mm -hmm. get him in that legal system, and it is nine times out of ten not going to work out in his favor. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And so, you know, my father, the times we have talked, would say, man, I'm, he said, I'm very Marcus. He said, I have Marcus Garvey tendencies. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I used to say, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I wasn't that brother that walked around with a chip on his shoulder. Right. Um, I wasn't that. I don't want anybody trying to define what black is to me. Uh, I love, you know, who I love, any of my friends and romantically, you know, and that, you know, I'm, that doesn't dilute who I am as a man of color. But that doesn't mean that I'm not aware of the obstacles, the challenge, the systemic and institutional system mm -hmm. that are made to cage me or kill me. Right. And that really is where we, we don't even have the luxury of flight. Yes. And so we now we're using the judicial system to really have um, uh, legal lynchings. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And so we end up neutering our black men from being able to vote, be able to pick their families, to do whatever. Well, they did the crime and did whatever. But I'm like, yeah, well, if you're a white guy, you can come back from that. Right. If you're a black dude, it's a, you might as well go ahead and bury yourself because right. you're never going to come back from that. Right? right. And so there are some cases where people have done that. So I'm not saying that that's, um, Every single one, there's Judge, I think Judge Mathis, he came back from a very tumultuous childhood and became to be an influential person. But that's not the norm. And that's the problem. Um, given the number, like you said earlier, given the number of Black men, I just read an article on that. We are, one in five of us are incarcerated, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's a high number based on our number of the population. And so... Most of those people, then we, we highlight those success stories, and as we should, but given the number, the total number, if you're looking at statistics and probability, the number of people that don't make it is far greater. And so we are committing legal genocide, right? Mm -hmm. That if, if what was the problem with John Stewart, talk about the Veterans Administration and how the vets aren't taken care of. And that was eye-opening because most Americans, because we're coming up on Veterans Day, and most Americans want to say, you know, thank you for your service, blah, blah, blah. And they realize, they don't realize that veteran suicide is one in, like one, it's a high number of us yeah. committed suicide. Mm -hmm. 
it's a high number a number of us and then, you know because we're coming back from combat we're not really taken care of right mm-hmm. and we don't get medical care for life it's the same way with black people right mm-hmm. it's the same way with black men specifically that we are we tend to villainize the victims we tend to let the we tend to have these sanctioned killings i'm gonna get on that for a minute to where you know well the guy should just should have been shut down and shut up and follow what the officer said listen i'm not anti-police i support them and what they do but at the same time we have a problem right Mm -hmm. and you know there's a difference between black lives matter and blue lives matter blue lives is a job Okay, black mm-hmm. lives is 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 a ethnicity. It's different. You can choose not to wear the blue. You can't really choose to be black, right? I mean, yeah. so there's no comparison between these sort of concepts of black lives matter and blue lives matter. You chose a profession. You took that profession. You knew that profession. You were dealing with a certain underbelly and a certain element was a choice you made. Black people didn't even choose to come to the country as a whole. So, you know, we're doing the best that we can every day. That doesn't mean, though, that um, from a criminal justice perspective, we shouldn't, that it needs to be skewed. But we do need to uh, incorporate race when we're making those decisions, right? And so when you said that, that really resonated with me because I'm like, it is very, all you got to do is scream a black man did it. Yeah. Exaggerate that a black man did it. And nine times out of ten, you're going to mess his life up. Exactly. And most of us will try to negotiate our way out of it because we're fearful, right, mm-hmm. of the criminal justice system. And, you know, and so we get people that are taking deals and making concessions that normal a normal person shouldn't and wouldn't make. You know, what's funny is um, now nowadays, um, Black men, we have become so afraid of, of the police. Yep. Um, even even from a simple traffic stop. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. You know, we, we fearing for our lives, thinking, okay, this could be the end just because yep. we just got pulled over for a simple traffic stop. Let me yep. let me let me let me not make any sudden movements. Let me not say anything smart. Let me just be very compliant. You know what I'm saying? So yep. we've gotten to and that's that not, Yep. And that's not the America I defended. Right. Right. And we do have a right to ask the police, why are you pulling me over? Exactly. And so now at 57, my entire attitude has changed. You know, as a military man, I was taught to recognize when I was at war. And we are at war, whether we want to be or not. The minute I start getting nervous about a traffic stop, because you know what, Kenyon, you're right. I've just started getting nervous about a cop what I call ghosting me. I think you know what I mean when I say yeah, that. Yeah. They'll roll behind you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And listen, I drive, I drive a Porsche. Mm-hmm. And so they'll roll behind you and kind of ghost you. And you know they're running your license plate. Right. How do I know that? Because when I worked at DISA, when I was in the Defense Information Systems Agency, and I was actually doling out money to consulting firms. We worked on what we call the RPIS, the Regional Police Information Systems Agency, which means we put laptops in police cars. Mm-hmm. Had I known the impact of that, I probably would have worked with a pro. Because back in the day, I, even though my degree was finance, I was a coder, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know what they're doing. Right. And they're looking for anything. And here's the thing. And I, don't, I will not live paranoid. But you are right, though. You, you have to stop and say, 
you know, well, wait a minute. And it doesn't matter. You see when they pulled that cop over in uniform. Mm-hmm. Here we talk about protect the troops and thank you for your service. But we're treating a black man in uniform like a criminal. Right. Over at a gas station. And we're not in, we're not in an uproar over that. We're right. just accepting that. I refuse to accept that. Mm-hmm. I refuse to be afraid. Right. And I don't care what that sounds like. I would say that. This podcast will go global and I will put my foot down and say that I will not live in fear because I didn't live in fear until I moved to the South. And then I realized from a corporate standpoint, to a personal standpoint, to a judicial standpoint, to whatever economic standpoint, you know, I, I was like, wow, people were like, oh, you don't have a chip on you. You don't have, no, I don't. But then there was, you know, then they, that makes them mad. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, wait a minute. I have a right to be just like you do. So the cops pull me over and they don't have justification for it. We are going to have a conversation. Right. 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 We are going to, because as a United States citizen and as an honorable discharge veteran, I have every right to ask you why you're pulling me over. Right. 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 And if you got to call SWAT, call SWAT. <laughs> and, that, and I, I, and I do mean that. Right. And so you're talking to a guy who's trained more than, I am more trained than most cops. And I will say that. I don't know if this is going to make the air or not, but I will say that. And yet and still, I follow the rules. But at the end of the day, why are the rules different for me than somebody else? We just had people storm the Capitol. Exactly. Nobody died. Exactly. And yet we are getting killed for selling loose cigarettes. People say, oh, well, we know this. Oh, well, we know this. Yeah, you know this, but there are people dying in the street. And so now what the media does is they show, they they villainize I don't care what your criminal history is. No one deserves to die. Exactly. Period. Exactly. If you can take an M16 from a, from a white kid and put him behind bars, why can't you do it with a black kid who's carrying a box cutter? Maybe. Or who's jumping up and down on cars in a parking lot. It's because you want to. Exactly. And because there's an inherent fear that says, oh, I, and there's a, there's a certain entitlement. Oh, it's just, it's just another because black lives don't matter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and so would you know the cops how many cops have we got over and over gotten off over and over and over again over this stuff oh yeah right and okay. so it's not it's not enough and it's almost irrational for us to accept it and right. that may seem like revolutionary talk so be it so be it mm-hmm. because at the end of the day it's not right it's not and so i'm i'm not gonna speak to a cop a certain way i'm not i am not going to do it because i'm not a boy Right. And so I'm not going to be like, you know, if the cop is in the right and he wants to give me a ticket, give me the ticket. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't automatically treat me like a threat. But what what I'm not what I'm what I'm what I'm not going to do is die on my knees. That's not going to happen. Right. Right. And so, you know, at the end of the day, once we understand, because I don't because with our option, Kenya, is what to be afraid. Right. To be afraid just because we exist. Exactly. I have this phrase I say, those dogs won't hunt, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They won't hunt for me. I'm, I Every time a cop chooses to pull me over, I'm like, you know what? I've lived a good life. That's where I'm with it now. Yeah. Whereas before, the biggest advocate of our judicial system, I right. contributed it. I'm right. like, yeah, you know, if you, but what we do is we, it's interesting in our country, and I'm going to digress here for a minute, to where when somebody commits a crime, we say, well, they've paid, you know, we're going to put you in jail so you can pay your debt to society. But yet, once you're branded a felon, that's forever. Yes, yes. You can't get an apartment. You can't get a student loan. You can't do anything. Right. You are branded a 
felon forever. For life, yeah. And so for life. So wait a minute. So whether so what you're saying is you're handing out life sentences. Yeah. Right? Yep. I'm not even sure you can get a passport. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> wow, you are branded a felon for life and now your freedom to move around the world has now been restricted and so now you are put into a permanent underclass and what does that sound like that sounds like i'm gonna say slavery i like to say holocaust that sounds like the african holocaust in exactly America. exactly that they're doing everything they can to make sure they control us right they want to keep us right. in control you know under under the radar for right. as as they can for as long as they can. So that's right. the agenda. That's the whole right. agenda. You know? Right. Right. And that's the whole agenda. And sometimes as a whole, we sign off on that too. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. We sign off on that too. And that's where, you know, listen, we're not a monolithic group. And I understand that. But there has to come a point when you're losing your sons and your daughters that we do have to make a speak with a monolithic voice mm -hmm. so that we can get to true justice and not this kangaroo court. Just because you put a black face in front of something doesn't mean that justice is going to be served right. because we have been underserved and miseducated. And so we're not going to be able to dole out justice in a way that makes sense. Mm -hmm. right? right. Just because we had eight, somebody social media says, well, you know, you had eight years of a black president. I'm like, okay, well, really we had eight years of a biracial president. I mean, based on American rules, one drop of black blood makes you, well, it does make you black. But, but at the end of the day, right. I thought that president Obama was, you know, not to get political, but I thought that president Obama was a representation of the best of America for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. But just because he looks like me does not mean that I stopped looking at his politics, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because I had to look at his politics from not only my faith perspective, mm -hmm. but then also what was in my best interest as a business owner and my best interest as a citizen. And just because that person had black skin does not mean that I'm going to just fall into uh, their belief system. On the flip side of that, that there is a call to support him because of him or someone like him because we hadn't seen that before, right? right. And so that's where we want to speak with the voice. And almost like I would disagree with you privately and maybe not publicly so that we can get on, so that he's not the only black president. So we can get another one and a black female and, right. you know, whatever to right. say that, you know, we're a diverse group, but it starts with us sort of embracing and cleaning our own house because you are right. And that does lead to depression, to the stress of getting him. Listen, I have never been afraid of a cop pulling up behind me. I don't get anxious. I've never gotten excited. If a cop pulls me over, I'm like, oh, okay, I was fine. I ain't telling myself, ah, I was probably speeding. Yeah, right. you know, okay, right. give me the ticket. You know what I mean? Right. This day and age, was the older that I get, I'm like, oh, I get butterflies. Because number one, I'm combat trained. So I'm like, okay, so we're going to have a problem, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. I, I ain't going down. You're going to shoot me. You're going to know you into something. 
Mm -hmm. And that attitude, I'm like, where does that come from? Because normally I'm like, I support the police unions. I put my hands on the steering wheel. I'm like, wait a minute, why do I have to act a certain way? And I've seen people that don't look like me yell at cops, scream at cops, tell them to go F off, blah, blah, blah. And they laugh, <laughs> and they laugh it off. Right, they laugh, exactly. And the cops themselves will laugh it off. So now I talk to them like a taxpaying citizen. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're not going to do. Mm -hmm. And I think we have the right to do that. And so... I mean, it's like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. That's unacceptable. Exactly. If any other country were to treat its citizens like we treat black people, we'd be at war. Yeah. We'd be at war. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, and it does, Kenyon, lead to depression. It Absolutely. does lead to depression. And that was the height, you know, even as a black business owner, I don't know if you find this too, to where once somebody realizes, and whether it's a black person or a white person or whatever, you're trying to deliver the best customer service. Mm -hmm. You're trying to deliver the best product. You want to deliver, you want to serve everyone, right? Because right. that's how I'm groomed. I don't, I don't, I love, I, I mean, I, I just, I, you know, the idea that I have to get up and start thinking about race now is aggravating to me. I know I'm a black man. I love being a brother. I love it. I think we're cool, right? Yeah. And I just want everybody to look, hear the vibe with the coolness, right? right. But we're also competent. I wasn't in, I was an athlete in high school, but I wasn't an athlete in college. I was a nerd. And so I loved business. I like to be able to build businesses. And I love finance and I love international finance. And I love, I, I mean, I have friends all over the world I interact with, but I didn't see a lot of people like me in that space. Yeah. And I didn't have a background coming up in an abusive home in that space. And so I have to build mine up from scratch and making my own mistakes along the way. Mm -hmm. And then you have to add this other element that there are institutions Systemic. A lot of times, I was in corporate America after getting out of the military. I didn't realize that some of the barriers that were put in my way, limiting my success potential, were actually intentional. Yep. That yep. they were actually setting me up for failure, not giving me the tools and the resources that I needed. And yet, and still, the research shows that we outperform our white counterparts by a wide margin. Mm -hmm. And so, but it shouldn't have to be that way and why is it one two why do we accept it yeah so now i'm at a stage right now where i every day whenever a cop pulls up behind me or someone comes to me sideways i remind myself i defended the country and i am going to assert that if i was willing to put my life on the line for 10 years mm -hmm. you are going to make allowances for me yeah. i am not asking anymore i am 57 years old and now at this point i'm like you know what because the minute the gene folks thinks about checking out, we have a problem. Yes, sir. Right? Sure. And that's where I encourage you is that it is a fight. And the only way we as fight is to have conversations like the ones you and I are having. Exactly. For you to encourage me like you've encouraged me and I've divulged my, my secret shame. Yeah. My family, only my sister knew and a couple of friends knew. That I, you know, unless I had my mom pass in December, one of my best friends, he had committed suicide in June. I tried to walk. Well, he's one of my best, like a brother to me. Um, uh, white guy, just, 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 it doesn't matter. But I loved him. He was like a brother to me. And he committed suicide, struggling with mental health. And, and um, you know, another friend died. I've got two friends right now, two brothers that are really dear to me that are struggling with uh, uh, some health issues with cancer. And so, you know, we are, you know, I, I don't, I shouldn't, you know, my mother used to tell me that, boy, you're not going to make it to a certain age. And I would say, mom, I'm not asking for equality because I was born with it. 
Mm-hmm. And so I tried to play the dip- the diplomatic role and fit in, you know, and just be me. And I was never allowed. And I would brush, you know, it takes, still takes me a while to realize, oh, you don't like me, not because I'm a prick. You don't like me because I'm black, right? And so I'm like, right. okay, now, now I got to go handle that. What does that look like, right. Right? right? And so I would always try to educate and talk and do this. And I would go home, and I don't know if you can relate to this. I would go home and I would always feel bad about myself or even when I asserted myself I felt bad about and you know I don't want to be the angry black man in the boardroom right and I'm just like well wait a minute I don't now I'm like this I'm like you know what now forget all that (laughs) I'm just like no no (laughs) and that's I will not live in fear and you made a good point from the time we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed there's a really high probability that in this country yep that we may not make it home unscathed. Exactly. That is a real thing that happens. Every single day. Every, Every single day. day. And so how do you encourage those people that follow you? Because you are a sought-after motivational speaker. How do you encourage the people that um, that follow you? How do you encourage them to, to grapple with their mental health? Who, you know, how do you, you what's the Kenyan Glover method? How do you... How do you get through your day? What's your process and certain diet um, conversations? Because I noticed I've been following you on social media. I know you have been traveling quite a bit. You've been talking about the book. You've been um, give, having conversations within the community about mental health, yeah. uh, about your faith, which I think is amazing. Um, I know that God has really been more of an impact, more of a force in my life in a way. Uh, maybe since my mother's past, it's, it's really been personalized for me. So it's not her faith. It's my faith now. And so that's something I'm constantly working on, making better choices, better decisions in that sense and becoming a better man. But how do you encourage people like me and some of the listeners and the people that are interested in your story? How to share with us that sort of process that you that you go through? Well, my 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 battle with mental health or, or, or depression, I should say, um, has been all mental. Um, when I say mental is just having to figure out how to control my thoughts, how to control that negative inner voice that goes on in my head, or in a lot of people's heads. Like I said earlier, you know, you got that inner voice that's constantly nagging at you, telling you negative things. So my battle has been to find out how to control those thoughts because depression comes down to the consistent thoughts that we think and the consistent beliefs that we hold. So Mm. you have to learn how to control your mind and don't let your mind control you. Your mind has to be stronger than your feelings because Mm. your feelings is what's keeping you sad. Your feelings is what's keeping you depressed. Your feelings Mm. is what's keep you in the struggles of life and letting you know that you know, life is just not for you and you're not going to make it. But your mind is saying you got this. A part of your mind is saying, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop mm-hmm. pity. Your mind is saying to get up and keep fighting. You have a fight within you. You have to keep telling your feelings what to do and not allow your feelings to tell you what to do. I mean, mm-hmm. our biggest enemy, I feel like our biggest enemy that we have to deal with is ourselves. Your biggest agree yourself. Agreed. So that's been my process is find out, fi- figuring out how to challenge myself to be better each and every day. 
mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and finding out that it's a process. You know, you get mm-hmm. you have to trust the process. There's a process that we all have to go through. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you have to accept where you are in your journey of life, even the, even if it's not where you want to be right now. But just mm-hmm. know that every season serves a purpose. Every mm-hmm. season that you're in, every season that you're going through, whether it's pain, hurt, struggles, disappointments, challenges, difficulties, every season that you're going through serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize that don't just go through the pain. You got to grow through the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the reason that so many people don't reach the success that they strive to is because they just give up too soon. They give in. They don't stay committed. They don't mm-hmm. stay dedicated and they just quit. They quit on themselves. And I've, I've found out that God doesn't change. We change. God mm-hmm. doesn't quit. We quit. God isn't faithless. God is faithful. And when, mm-hmm. when God promises you something, he's saying to you, all I want you to do is persevere. All I want you to do is keep the confidence. All I want you to do is keep putting one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Because when God promises you something, you better believe he's going to keep that promise. He's 100%. You just have to keep fighting. You just have to keep, you know, um, uh, moving forward and make a declaration to yourself. That every time you get knocked down, you will get back up. Mm-hmm. Every time I get knocked down, I say, you know what? This is just, this is just a test. Mm-hmm. This is just another mm-hmm. test I got to pass. You know, mm-hmm. so you need to let your test be your testimony. Mm-hmm. You need to let your mm-hmm. misery become your ministry. Mm-hmm. The mess that you're going through is meant to become a message. Mm-hmm. So. That's mm. that's just my my battle with 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 depression and how I've been able to really combat it and overcome it. And that's just how I like to inspire people, motivate people and encourage mm-hmm. people whenever I get a chance to, you know, whenever I'm doing speaking engagements or I'm, I'm, I'm you know, hired to come speak to students at high schools or colleges or whatever the case may be. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's th- this is why God kept me here. This is why God is save me from four suicide attempts right because this is my journey this is my journey Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and i enjoy going out and empowering people and challenging people a better version of themselves each and every day you know and that's That's amazing and and that's that's (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i have a fun question for you if you were a superhero, if you had a choice to be a superhero, who would you want to be and why? <laughs> superhero. Um, you know what? A lot of people may not know this superhero, but I've gotten asked this question in the past. And um, the superhero name is Exodus. Mm, okay. Um, a lot of people don't know about the superhero because you never really heard about him. And, but his superpowers is healing. Huh. Okay. So he's a healer. So he's able to heal people of their disease. He's able to heal people of actually mental health. He's able to heal people, um, emotions. So that's the superpower I would like to have. I would want to be a healer because of what I do now. You know, I, my, my objective, my mission is to heal people of depression. 
You know, I want to heal right. people of their mental health. I want to be that encouraging light to people in search of hope. So mm-hmm. that's that's the superpower that I would like to, to, to have is being a healer. I want to heal the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Any final thoughts for our audience? Anything you want them to know? Um, man, this has been a, a, a quite a enlightening interview. So, man, I want to thank you again, Gene, for having me on. Thank you, man. It's, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's been, this has been enlightening. This has been awesome. This is one of my favorite interviews, actually. It's been awesome. Yeah, it really has been. this has been great, man. So, yeah, just find me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Kenyon Glover. Just look for my name or go to my website, KenyonGlover.net. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just out here just trying to help change the world, man. That's all. I'm awesome. About. Awesome. And I'd like you to, you know, I'd like you to become a friend of the channel, man, so we can continue the conversation. I'd like to follow up with you. I'd like to have you uh, back on the program. We can talk about a lot of um, different things. I want to see how your journey's going and I'll share my journey with you as well. Okay. And, um, you know, let's make that, you know, let's make that commitment. And as the, as folks on better continues to grow, um, we have more audience participation where we're having discussions. Right. Sort of like a round table, if you will, of, um, you know, of, um, of men wanting to have a conversation about some of the struggles that they're going through, whether that's relationship struggles, whether that's legal troubles, whether mm-hmm. that's financial issues. I think we as men need to have a conversation on how to be better husbands, how to be better fathers with the male perspective. Right. Um, and in a healthy way, I, I think that men, we want to have that conversation. So I really, um, I know you've inspired me. Um, obviously it's not every day I, I share, uh, something so personal, but um, uh, I think your courage and your commitment to the process has encouraged me. Um, and I thank you for that. I thank you for your, your patience with me as I've transitioned and, and I've had some transitions I've gone through that, yeah. that uh, but I was bound and determined that we were going to have you on the program. Thank you for being consistent with that. Um, uh, it really means a lot to me for you to, to spend your time with us here on the channel and, uh, you know we're gonna um, we're gonna continue the conversation because I think the mental health is a is a huge huge issue, and also the fact that you more importantly than that is that every day is an opportunity while you're here, Kenyon, while I'm here, to overcome any obstacles, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, right. social. Um, every day is an opportunity for us to overcome those challenges, and so thank you for being on the program. Thank you for um, failing in your suicide attempts because I would have never got a chance to meet you, brother. Right. And you would have never got a chance to actually positively impact my life. And I do mean that. So, um, and I hope that as we continue, not just on the podcast or online, that offline, that we continue growing in our friendship and trying to do something to, to change the world. You have a lot more time to change the world than I do. Um, but with the time that I have left, um, I do uh, plan to leave my mark to help positively impact the lives of other people. And it starts with conversations like this. Exactly, Folks, uh, you can catch Kenyon Glover at uh, KenyonGlover.net. He's on all social media platforms. Uh, if you get a chance, so you want to request him to be a motivational speaker uh, at your next event, um, he's uh, connect with him online. Um, you can connect with him directly, connect with us here on the channel. 
we appreciate uh, your time and attention on the program. And, and uh, as always, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch you near the side. Um, so just uh, keep your ears open for knowledge and wisdom and the temperance and clarity and uh, discernment to know how to rightly divide the truth. Um, thanks so much, Kenyon Glover, for, for your time today. And we look forward to talking to you again. Absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.